Hi, I'm David Meagle and welcome to Active Support Equals an Active Life. My apologies for the delay, uh, life and work and everything else gets in the way, as it does. So before we get cracking, I would just like to say the reason why I started to do these podcasts. My intention really is to start distilling this theory and the academic work, which is a lot of work out there and some really, really good work. But I feel that it doesn't always transition into everyday practice. Hence, why I'm doing this podcast, uh, trying to break it down into something that frontline workers, support workers can actually use and team leaders and managers in their day-to-day practice. So, active support, in a nutshell, it's a method of enabling people with a learning disability or intellectual disabilities to engage more in their daily lives. And it refers to the type of support that is provided. The main aim of it is to turn centered plans, sorry, person-centered plans into person-centered actions. The key characteristics of active support are promoting independence and moves from away from a approach of caring for to working with, supports people to take an active part in their own lives, the support offered is active, enables people with intellectual disabilities to live ordinary lives and improve the quality of that life. Just to give you a little bit of context, active support actually isn't that new. Though it is new concept uh, and put together in this package, in this format, uh, by British Institute of Learning Disability. But the main concept of people being active uh, around their own lives and having an ordinary life uh, is not new. If we can look just back at Kaslik's team back in uh, 1976 when they were looking at developing uh, engagement and activities for people coming out of institutions into community homes. With Mansell's work as well in 1980, uh, with Good uh, in Handover in Hampshire. And we could also, also reference to uh, Portersfield and Bloding Works in 1979. And basically they all came up with the same things was one that personal care actually doesn't take that long to do. The other activities were very limited and more general in groups rather than for individuals. This meant that people were waiting to do an activity or waiting long times during an activity. And Portersfield and London are 79 are working with people with severe complex needs uh, in, in quite intense uh, service provision. And they noticed that staff that prompted active encouragement with recreational materials, for example, found that a person's level of engagement increased and it had more meaning for them. They got a lot more out of it, out of that activities, because it was all very positive and encouraging. So you may turn around and ask, well, why is this happening now then if it's happening all the way back that's a really good question and it basically comes down to the way that services were set up to care for people just to make them safe therefore if we make someone safe then there's less opportunities to do activities uh, less positive encouragement to do anything Right, don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling keeping people safe. It is very important and a very key aspect of the service that we provide. But we've got to get in context. And I try to explain that better through what we call the hotel model. 
which is a vicious circle of disempowerment. This reference I'm looking at it actually came from Mansell's work in L5, and the, uh, the so if you look at this hotel model, this continuing circle of disempowerment. As the staff do most things for service users rather than create opportunities for service users to participate in. Service users do not participate in value activities and spend most of the time doing nothing. Staff perceive service users as dependent. They do not spend time interacting with or assisting service users and are apprehensive about starting new things. Staff cannot think of goals or activities that's never been a remit before. Service users could do. They see their role as a domestic worker rather than an enabler or a facilitator. So if we take that holiday hotel model and we compare it to the values of active support, which is basically the very same values as positive behaviour support, we're looking at a raising quality of life. We're looking at respecting the self and for others, developing their skills, developing their social skills, developing network relationships with families, friends. We're looking for opportunities to develop their skill base, uh, their understanding of independent living and their opportunities with that. We're looking at uh, independent as possible. So again, we're working away from that caring for someone and actually working with someone. And by doing this, we would then increase or they would have a large opportunity to have choice and control over their life. So if we start taking, uh, say, the respect, looking at respect for self and respect for others, what do we mean by that? Well, in context of active support, what we need to look at is to move this move away from workspace. We usually go to services and that's our place to work. We've got chores and jobs to do and everything else and there's people we've got to you know, help and support and everything else. So that's our mindset. Um, what active support portrays is a change in that mindset. We have to do that first step. We have to make that first change. And that change is to stop looking at our workplace as a workplace. We need to look at that as someone's home. And it still amazes me that people say, yes, we're person-centered and everything else. And I turn up, knock on the door or ring the doorbell. And then all I see for the first few minutes is staff. Staff are answering the door. I'm talking to the staff. I'm engaging with staff. Don't actually get to see someone who actually lives in that home, who actually is their house, or their home while they're renting it, to come and actually talk to me, to take that lead. So what we're looking for within active support is, yes, we may there may be some uh, safeguarding issues that they can't answer the door independently. That's fine, but that doesn't exclude them from answering the door. Can we not just, as I like to call, and you hear me reference to it later, is uh, one step away. Do we have to have that shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder support? Can I just be that one step away? If I can be that one step away, then I will do. And as I say, it's changing my mindset. If they answer the door and all I have to be is that one step away to make that a success for them and for them to be able to answer their own door, then that's what I'll do. So from a manager's perspective, I know I started this about you know giving real tools for everyday 
practice. But the management personnel team need a perspective if what they're trying to create is a new culture. It's a culture of a home. And what we call that underneath is a capable environment. We're looking for opportunities uh, for people to actually live an ordinary life. And answering the door, as I said, is what could be one of them. So we're looking to create this environment which takes on all those values by having choice and control, quality of life, uh, identifying and having opportunities, being supported through that, being supported to uh, network relationships, half populations of family and friends, um, and social valid roles. Uh, human rights are, are preventative measures. Are they legal? Are we, you know, discriminating in, unintentionally about the human rights? So we need to bring that into it. Uh, about improving the quality of life, we're looking at you know, physical well-being, emotional well-being, material well-being, personal development, se- developing self-determination, uh, relationships with staff, relationships with other housemates, relationships with the general community. So that would generally give you an idea of what we're looking at when talking about capable environment, giving the opportunities in there to change that mindset from us going to work, that we actually work in someone's home. They don't happen to live where we work. Just changing that culture. And it's a big ask for a team leader. But there is lots of support and lots of work which we will cover in time to help you through that. The term of team leader or team manager, whichever term your uh, company uses, we're going to look at start changing that. We're going to start looking at introducing what we call uh, practice leadership. And we will look at that in much greater depth later on. So carry on with setting this uh, culture up. The other aspect, and this is a very, very key and very important one, is that we've got to like start developing proper communication. What do I mean by proper communication? What I mean by that is actually understanding their level. They've got to come first. We're now changing around. We're not caring for them. We're working with them. So to be able to work with somebody, you need to be able to effectively communicate with that person. So how much information do they understand? Is the information verbal? It, does it, is it physical? Is the way we communicate physically? You know, through sound language or something like that. Or through picture stories. Whatever that system is, make sure we're very clear of what, how we communicate with someone. And that is effective communication and that we confirm what their level of understanding is and how much communication they can get. How can they take on? I'll give you a little example of that. Uh, I was working quite a while ago with uh, a guy and one of the people who was supporting came into me and uh, the guy who was being supported was very, very upset. And his words were that uh, this member of staff had turned and told him that he was overweight, he eats too much and he's got a bad heart, therefore he's going to die. Obviously then going to talk to the staff member, that wasn't quite the context uh, which is what <laughs> which what he's said in, um, but that goes that was a fine example of not actually understanding of how much the person understands, because the member staff what he said was quite right. It didn't come over in the best way, 
um, and it is a very big issue with this individual. But because he didn't actually check to understand how much of the information that was being taken on board, was that why the, the, the guy who's been supported came up to me and was very upset because he could only take on the three or four bits of information. The rest of everything else the staff member said just got lost. So from that, we actually developed a mini passport, a mini communication passport, and a proper communication passport. But rather, it being a very big, detailed document, which there was on uh, on the server, and we broke it down. That's why I think, me personally, mini communication passports are excellent because they get the key points in. They give staff what they actually need to know straight away uh, to how to communicate with someone. So if you get effective communication, that naturally comes along to building rapport. If we understand the communication from someone and we're able to communicate to them effectively, they understand as it, your rapport can build forever. And we all know that the people that we get on with, we've got good rapport with. The people we don't get on with, is we haven't. So that's why it's very key, especially start identifying opportunities and want to start teaching them uh, new skills. Then that communication, that rapport is very, very key. So to move along, because otherwise I'll talk about those subjects for hours. So we've got this culture. We've got this idea that I'm actually coming in to support someone in their own home. We're going to support them to be as independent as possible. I, we've got the communication correct. I understand them. They understand me. And through that, we're starting to build a rapport. So what I have to do? What's the next step? Okay, this is what we call the four elements of active support. There are other terms, but it, the four elements are exactly the same. So we're looking at every moment has potential. Little and often, graded assistance to ensure success and maximizing choice and control. And there's a very good little cartoon from the Tizard Center, uh, University of Kent. There's a person with a light bulb and one of those bubbles above. So it's all about the quality of the relationship, not about the paperwork. So let's just briefly go into it. The four elements are actually a big piece of work, which I will do another podcast on, but this is just an introduction to give you an idea to get you thinking on this way. So if we look at the every moment has potential. So we're looking at the individual's life, basically. Is there any areas in that person's life that we could help to develop? Is there any upskilling we can do? And that could be anything from, as I said before, about relationships, developing relationships. Or it could be about peeling potatoes. It could just be about cooking. Is it about making a cup of tea or coffee? It could be about joining that social club they've always wanted to do or sports club they've always wanted to do. But we've always done it through a group before. And we've done it at very quiet times where there's not many people about. It could be as simple as going down the pub on a Friday night for a beer with other people in the pub. 
and again, not as a separate group, not as going in and having the table. We're all sitting around one table. So that is the table from that home. Rather than individuals go in and we're trying to set up opportunities for them to socially interact with their community. So it's not always about the big things. It can be about the little things. And we're looking for those moments. Um, when it, especially when it says every moment has a potential. That could be just walking past and trying to make a cup of tea or trying to make a drink and they struggle. Let's take that opportunity just to try and teach you how, to, how much juice. So instead of going in and saying you've got too much juice in your glass. Okay, let's find a way to do that. You might have to go through that process first, you've got too much juice. So what I would do was take all the juice out, then find a process. Is that a mark? Can I get a pen and a glass or just wipe off? It's not a problem. Or do I just place my finger there? You pour the juice in, when it gets in my finger, that's about enough, mate. That's where, that's all you need. And then find a way for them, so if your mark might be better. But I've seen that potentially, I'll just walk past, I'm going to go outside for whatever. Or yeah, you're going to get to see someone else. But I've recognised the opportunity while they're trying to do it. And rather than waiting and catching up, saying, you've got way too much juice in that glass, you can't drink that, have to take it away. Let's look for those opportunities that we can actually teach someone, we can upskill them, so then they can take more choice and they can have more control. And I said, it's not always about the big things. You look at little and often. What do we mean by little and often? Well, exactly just that, little and often. So we may be in a, in a, in a place that, well, actually I'm not doing a lot. I can actually help teach this guy to make his own tea or coffee. Okay, so... It's, that is actually, if you make a tea, there's at least between 15 and 20 different steps into making a cup of tea. So maybe the best way of doing it, if that information of gone through all those steps to make a cup of tea is too much, maybe I should make a cup of tea and I should ask the person to get involved and see how much of that they can do. Let's have that observation. Let's have a look. Can they get the sugar? Can they pull the sugar out? Do you know where sugar is? Can they get to sugar? Is it locked away? Which is a subject for another day. Uh, is a teaspoon there? Do you know what a teaspoon is? I'm sure most people do. Are they able to access a teaspoon? Are they able to access the mugs? Can they access the milk? In a tea bag? Do they, are they able to split the tea bags? You know, I'm supposed to be fully functional. Well, even now, I you can't, don't always succeed in having a tea bag or tea leaves everywhere. So let's just get, if we are upskilling someone, if we are going to do it, we recognise the potential, we recognise the time, we're going to do a little bit at a time. And again, if we write that back to the culture of that whole staff team are brought into this, the whole staff of team in doing this, then that little and often provides a consistent approach from the whole staff team. And if we're all reading in the daily records or whatever format you've put in, then we'd know exactly who's done what and who's achieved what. So we know the, the areas we need to identify and we can look for. So next time they come and make a cup of tea, they can come and help. Or ideally, they will start taking it on and I would be helping them 
so they'll start making a cup of tea. And then I'd help them as and where I need to. Which brings me into graded assistance, which is a third one. What do you mean by graded assistance? Exactly as it says, uh, to ensure success. If I go too far, if I do too much, too many steps, it, it could become a chore. And therefore, the sense of achievement out of it is minimal. And they will start to hide. So Dave comes in, he's going to get me to make a cup of tea again. He'll make his own flipping tea. Uh, so that's not the attitude you want. You want it to be active. So said, it's active and it's positive. So by getting a grade right, the amount of support that we give someone uh, is very key and very important. So we maintain that level of success. Making the whole cup of tea is probably the ultimate goal. But with all those sort of steps, or peeling potatoes or something like that, or even ironing, I need a great one, which I do quite often, which, to be honest, scares some staff. Doesn't scare the people going to do it uh, so much, but it scares many staff and management. But if you do it well, and you do it correctly, and you take the right steps and the right precautions, then it can be very, very successful. Uh, so what I was saying uh, to, to backtrack again is we make these successes achievable and we're making small enough. So that's what we mean by graded assistance, that the achievements are at the right grade for the communication, for the capacity for them to succeed. And all this does fit into the last one, uh, maximising choice and control. Because the more skills that you have, the more opportunities you have, the more control that you have, the more choice you have. I don't have to wait here for a staff member to come in and open up the kitchen, uh, which I have seen before, opening up the kitchen and closing the kitchen so they can get it all done. Uh, it is one of my bugbears, to be honest. But no longer do they have to do this. Now they're actually able to go and start to make that drink. Um... And then I just have to be around and I'm looking like, where do I need to give support if I do? Again, I'm working with them now. I am not caring for them because caring for them would be coming. No, we have a cup of tea at three o'clock. That's when the kitchen opens again. And that's when we should have our tea and cake and all that sort of thing. All right. So now I'm working with the person. So I've seen them go off and go in the kitchen. I know there's some understanding which they haven't quite got yet and it might put them at some sort of risk. So I'm running that risk assessment through my head. So I'm going in not to care for them, i.e. take over. I'm going to respect their choice um, and their control. So I'm going to go and start working with them and I may need to help wherever I need to help. But the important thing is where I don't need to help I am backing off. And that's my opportunity when I do it to build that rapport. So by building that rapport and having that communication at that time, and it can be very matey uh, and very jokey, uh, that, which really helps. Humour helps so much. You can have that really good relationship. The benefit, the additional benefit of that is that when you do need to take over, it is 
it does the perspective that they're receiving is that you are actually going to help them and you're not taking it over and that's why it's so important to step back when you you understand when you need to step back so you don't take it over and once you have that relationship with them it does feel a much better coexisting working together to get to whatever thing making a cup of tea ironing peeling potatoes going down the pub whichever it is so that's why all those elements coming together are very key we can't just do one on as a member of staff we can't have one or two members of staff doing this it has to be a whole team thing you have to have that consistency right across the whole team that we're working in the same way uh, a, a, a little tool, uh, five techniques we use to uh, to do that and to make that very beneficial for the person. And especially identifying that time when to back off. We use five techniques and it's a progressive support provision. And it was, we need to do this every single time. The reason why we need to do it every single time, even though, for example, I'll go through it in a second, but even for example, someone the day before went through it three times, uh, went to level three, sorry, in support. That doesn't necessarily mean that today I have to do that for a number of reasons. One, the rapport I've got with that individual may be better. Um, and it's not to blow my trumpet to say I'm, I'm i'm the best is people generally do get on with people otherwise everyone will get on with everyone we won't have you know, people with the same likes or dislikes and, and that sort of thing so we do need to uh, uh so yeah we just might have that better rapport also for the the individual for the person themselves they might be having a better day and yesterday wasn't such a good day so they may needed more support or it could be as simply as the support that was given at the time was in the morning and quite honestly the person we're supporting wasn't a morning person as when i came in i did it in the evening saw the opportunity in the evening and they're much more of an evening sort of person so they're more enthusiastic to start with the more, the more proactive so that's what we're saying about identifying those opportunities. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at the first one, the first technique we're going to do is always ask. Always start with ask. Because even though yesterday or three days ago or whenever it was we last did this, it, we got to the end and it may not have been so good. But they may have needed to take that time to process that information into actual understanding, into their work, into their you know, their practice. So when we come to do the task again, because we've had that time for them to process that information, that they actually do understand. And if we go straight back to the same level of support as we did those three days ago, then we're taking that opportunity away from them. So let's always start with ask. Always start with one. Let's not assume anything. Okay, so the next level is to instruct. They may need that little reminder to say what we're doing and how we're going to do it. 
So this just you through structure, and that's not physically, that is just verbal. And if that didn't work, we can go up to level three, we do it at the prompt. So again, let's have that capacity, having that understanding of knowing, sorry, knowing that capacity of the person, having that understanding, we'll know how far we need to prompt. Do we need to prompt in a general, uh, to say, get a tea bag, box of tea bags out, go and make a cup of tea? And that might be only a prompt. The prompt I might need is go to the cupboard. Tea bags are up there. Then let them do it. They can get the tea bags out. And then see again. And ask it. Let's go back to ask. Get your tea bag out. Shove it in a mug, mate. If it doesn't have it, I might have to just point with no verbal, so I might just point at the tea bag. I might have to say one. And I have to try and separate it. And that's a bit I may have to come in. They may not have the dexterity for it. So I might have to come and split it. But when I split it into the two bags, the separate bags, I've then placed them back in the box for them to then pick up the one. And if it's a case that they haven't got the dexterity to do it, then at some point, sometime, I will take that box of tea bags and I will break them all down into singles and put them all back in the box and put the box back away in the cupboard. Okay, that's a physical limitation that they've got. Let's not just stress them out. It's pointless by doing it. All right, so let's make it so they can succeed. So I would, I'll split all the bags down into singles. So if that's not working, the pops aren't working, then I might have to show them. So again, I've broken it down to, well, this isn't working, we're just getting the tea bags out. Right, okay, so that's all I'm going to concentrate on, is on that bit. So let's just show them. I will show it, I will demonstrate how to do it, what to do, and then I'll put it all back again and help then, and maybe probably step back to doing prompts. I've showed them, I can then do prompts. So they get the association when I prompt and point, they get the association of what I've asked because they've seen me do it. It may be again because of physical limitations that they can do it, but they may be shaky, they can't actually hold the box that well, that why. So instead of me, again, I don't want to take over, don't want to care for this person again. I want to work with them, so maybe with permission, uh, and obviously we have the risk assessment and everything else around that, that I may support their hand in getting the box out. So we're increasing that level of support. So I'll come back in a couple days later, and where do I start from? Well, if you all said ask, then great, you've taken it on. Let's start right from the beginning, let's not assume. So, in a nutshell, what are these are the skills to actually get people to actively engage in their own life. They having those choices, having the controls on whatever it is. So, having this uh, active engagement does... So, active engagement, uh, it basically is looking for uh, new opportunities, that we can all actively engage in, that people can actively engage in. Uh, we're doing all or part of the activity, doing the activity continuously or a bit at a time. You know what I mean? Do we keep on doing that? So once to say we achieve that cup of tea, making it a cup of tea, then yes, we'll continue supporting that, making that a cup of tea. 
But again, the graded assistance, how much support do we need to put in? Do we even need to use the five techniques? Are they making a cup of tea for themselves now? So do I just need to be aware around a kettle, around a risk issue? Do I actually need to be in the room? Can I just be in the corner of the room or away from the room? Do I just need to be about? So we're always looking to decrease it to a stage that hopefully is, uh, yeah, he's made six cup of tea today. That's fine. Cool, done. So we're always looking for them to try and take the lead or uh, take the lead in areas in part of it being at the very least an active participant uh, in some level of it. And we're always looking to try to increase that without pushing them. So yes, it's having that communication, having that rapport, understanding their capacity, understanding the risks, um, and then putting in five techniques which is appropriate to that. But we're continuously looking at that. As in, how do we change our practice to, to develop those opportunities for success and for those active participation? So we're looking at trying to do that one step more, but without pushing them. And how I generally go about that, if I'm looking to take that step forward, and I take the step forward and things don't start to go well, we can see the rapport isn't there, the humour's gone. That's why I like using humour as much as I can because it's a very e early, easy indicator that some things aren't quite right. As the person may be stuttering more, physically stuttering, uh, they may be taking more time or looking at something confused. So therefore, I would then bring it back again. Okay, and then, alright, that was too far. Uh, you've got to use that self-reflection tool, very important. And self okay, maybe I'll push a little bit too far, but recognize signs, recognizing those signs early enough to take appropriate action before it becomes a trauma and it actually becomes uh, success is what we want to achieve here. So if that's too much, let's bring it back. But that's not to say we'd never do it again. It may be that, okay, Maybe I need to break that step down a bit more. How can I break that step down a bit more into more smaller steps so we get more opportunities for success? So by working this way for the individual, what, what do they get out? Well, full engagement, full active engagement with things which are meaningful to their life and not just doing so. There's no point trying to make someone like a cup of tea and they don't actually like tea or coffee. That is an absolute waste of someone's life. So it's full in, meaningful engagement, which equals a full life. It has a greater impact on their quality of life. There's increased opportunities for skill development, a lessening experience of behaviours of concern. And I don't want to get into much of behaviours of concern, though behaviour adds actually communication. Communication and rapport to a certain degree well, I, quite a big degree, we did go into behaviour because that's what behaviour is. Behaviour is basically communication. And in time, in another podcast, we will go into that in a little bit more depth. But at this juncture, I think it's suitably to say that with behaviour is a concern, if you're actually having a full life and we do have that communication, you do have that rapport because you have that communication rapport means they 
they have less need to rely on other behaviours or other communication themes to get their point across. So I hope you can see the shape of the practice that we're trying to inspire. We're trying to inspire a new culture that we are actually working someone's home and that's a mindset that we're looking for. We have these person-centered plans, but what we're looking to achieve is to turn those plans into person-centered actions. And we had a brief look at the hotel model as a main contributing factor for these opportunities not to happen because of the culture and the mindset within a hotel model. We then look briefly over the elements of active support. Every moment has potential, little and often great assistance to ensure success, maximizing choice and control. And we briefly looked at uh, five techniques and about active engagement and how they all work together working with someone. We again just briefly going back to five techniques is a thing we're going to introduce uh, in a later podcast very soon about uh, active scripts, uh, which will help you transfer that information from actually doing it into a document, i.e. the active script, and how we can use that to uh, it becomes a quality measuring tool as well, so we can start maintaining the quality of of the level of support across the team. So with all that taken on board, uh, there's a lot more <laughs> to come. So what I would like you to do, if you're a team leader, getting all your team to come on board, everyone needs to come on board. And I'm sad to say from time to time, we do lose members of staff. Uh, I lost one not so long ago and it actually was a success story, so it was very unfortunate that he left, uh, this person left, because they couldn't adapt to that person sent away to that supporting role. Their whole idea of this industry was about caring for someone, and once we took that away, they were never able to, to transition into being a supported role. We went through a lot of different skills, a lot of different methods to do it, but it it wasn't the makeup of that person. It, it wasn't his thing. And he said, uh, he then went off to go and work in health, where A, he was much happier. Uh, and B, we ended up getting a member of staff who was very much more supportive. That said, don't go and start sacking your team. Right. there's a lot of development for the people that we're supporting there's a lot of development there's also a lot of development in this team as well so this will take time but the same standards apply for supporting someone it does with the team especially around uh, communication for team leaders around communication build that communication in your team build that rapport around your team team meetings that's your active engagement You've got to be able to engage with each other and come up to resolutions as a team. And it's time to look over the active scripts. We're using the five techniques. Are they working? Why are they working? They start bouncing ideas all of them. The staff to start supporting the people's home it is to answer their door. Uh, that sort of thing. There was another one, a quick story uh, I got to, which has changed my practice as well. Very briefly, uh, I went to a place. Sorry, I think I just hit my microphone. Do apologise for that. Um, yeah, I went to a place to work and I worked and knocked on the door and 
the person who lived there, one of the people who lived there, actually answered the door. And I could see the support worker hovering around in the background, which is great, fantastic. I then stepped in the door. And then I was asked by the person who lived there to take my shoes off. And this was the first time for me. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, that was the house rules. They all had agreed that outside shoes stay in the hall. So I took my shoes off and I padded around for the last, you know, for the next sort of three, four hours in my socks. Obviously, there's health and safety things around about that. Um, and, but it's changed my practice that in my car, if not in my bag, I do now bring a pair of sliders with me. Okay, so there's a few things I'd like you to do, as I said. Practice leaders, team leaders, start developing that culture. There's lots of literature out there around capable environments. For the frontline workers, let's start looking at these skill tools. Let's start looking at these observations. So where is somewhere I can actually support the person to take this on board? Uh, it might even be some personal care aspect, brushing the teeth. Is that something that they can actually take on? I Do I need to do that? Are they able to do it using our five techniques to support? If I identify areas like that, I will then need to start processing by how am I going to do it? We call it a task analysis and we will go into some depth later on. But so how would I teach that person to start brushing their teeth? I need to have the right communication, effective communication skills. And we may need to build that rapport. They may just do it. And with the process of doing that, we build rapport. But it may be for them to feel confident and for them to feel safe. We've started to take on brushing their own teeth. We need to build that rapport. So that's something that I want you guys to start doing right now, today, or on your next shift. Have a look. What I would suggest is for any team leaders or uh, team managers that are looking to do this and looking to set up the culture, there's lots of literature out there. There's lots of ways uh, you can do it. What I would suggest that you actually find someone. If me, by all means, contact me. I'll be quite happy to come in and sit down and go through it and go through your service and see how we can implement in the service. I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, there are other institutions, I'll say British Institute of Learning Disability, the lead uh, company organisation that are running this. Um, also, you've got Tizar Centre, who actually developed a lot of active support. They do a lot of the work. Again, there's lots of literature around there from them. Uh, yeah, or, or myself. Yeah, I hope that's given you a good idea of what active support is and give you some... Um, steps to start looking at I'm doing this every fortnight so every fortnight we go uh, a new one we're coming out and I think it's very important that we start with the capable environment let's have a look at what capable environment is and how active engagement fits into that so I would do a, a long probably quite a long one just on that if you have any questions or anything else let me know um but also what I'm going to do is start doing a live stream possibly next month, starting in May, once a week, do it live for about an hour. 
On the next podcast, I will put it all out, but I'll put it out on my Twitter and put it out on my LinkedIn as well, time and dates. That's going to be live, so hopefully you can come and join me and we can have some conversations around this. And if you've got any questions, we can ask them there and then. Um, the whole point of it is not just to have a Q&A, but I'm hoping to curate uh, discussions and help form everyone. So we all knuckle in and we'll have a view and we can all help each other out. Okay, so until then, please keep well. Have a look at the literature that is out there. If you want any questions, send me in the questions and I shall speak to you again soon. Thank you very much.